Hey, Craig. Good morning. You know What's what, up? You know what I was thinking about the other day? There is no telling. <laughs> you remember the last time we went to Indiana? Yeah. I was thinking about we pulled up to Bill and Judy's house. Yeah. And Uncle Tim was standing there. He was, yeah. And he goes, hey, buddy. I was like, how you doing, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like... Yeah, I stopped down at the gas station, got me this energy drink. I was like, yeah, is it good? He's like, yeah, it ain't too bad. It ain't really giving me no energy, though. I was like, yeah, what kind do you get? He's like, I don't know, red something. I was like, red? I looked at it, it was red's apple ale. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well, maybe it'll just take a little while for it to kick in. He's like, yeah, maybe. And he just, and I just thought it, it did kick in. <laughs> it did. He was stumbling all over the place in yep. a little while. Those were some good times. Yeah, good old Tim. <laughs> <laughs> wonder what he's doing right now. Ah, uh, probably sleeping. Yeah, maybe so. <clears throat> so, how's your week been so far? Ah, uh, you know, it's Friday, so it's good. That's true. So, what's uh, what's on the what's on the news? Ah, uh, you know what's on the news. All right, we're not going to talk about that today. Oh, I got to say something. Okay. Last week, I said that our cousin had the swine flu or something. <laughs> I was informed a few days ago she never had that. Yeah. So Sorry, Brianna. She said she did get bit by a spider once, though. It's Nick's fault. Sorry. <laughs> he told us to blame it on our other cousin, but we're not going to do that either. Nope. Cousin-free episode. Yay. Just Uncle Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Let's talk about a little news. We'll not talk about the big news. We'll talk about something else. Um... We talked last week about college basketball, and it has come to a dramatic end <laughs> yes. with no champion. And I was oh. supposed to go to the ACC tournament yesterday, and that didn't happen. So I've spent uh, a day and a half moping and being very upset. No basketball for anyone. I think they canceled all sports, didn't they? They did, yeah. I, I, I thought, think they're still having some races go on without fans, like yeah. NASCAR. Yeah, you know, because in a big open place, it's going to be a and, petri uh, dish. They're still going to... Some boxing matches are still going on. Okay. But I think they might be thinking about having no fans, too. I would say that's probably going to happen. I know that the the school sports has been canceled. Yes, it has. All school sports. Foreseeable future, at least. Until uh, Supposedly until April 6th. When it's just going to keep getting worse, maybe. That's what the news is saying. So. Yeah. Then again, if you don't listen to the news, you're not worried. So don't, don't be worried. Don't listen to the news. Um, that's it. That's all we're going to talk about about that because it's depressing and nobody wants to hear it. But it's a nice day outside right now. So far, it was raining a little bit this morning, but not too bad right now. I think I'm going to go fishing tomorrow. On Saturday? Tomorrow you know what Saturday. I was going to do tomorrow? What? Watch basketball? I was going to watch basketball. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Good news is, you can watch boxing. Oh, yeah, is that on tomorrow? Eight o'clock. Okay, who's fighting? You know, I do not know, okay. but I'm going to watch it. Let's talk about boxing for a minute, then. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Uh, Tyson Fury. He's the man. He's the, the best. Gypsy King. Yeah, we got to watch him. He beat the devil out of Deontay Wilder <laughs> he, a few weeks ago. He took care of him, but you know, Wilder was wore out from carrying uh, in his mask and his forty-pound suit <laughs> killed his legs. <laughs> In the 10-minute walk-around. If that's the case, he's the most out-of-shape human that's ever lived and boxed. Well, you can look at him and tell that ain't Well, no. Just lies. Yes. You gotta blame it on something when you get your, your, your hind end handed to you. Yep. 
But they got a rematch coming up in July. Maybe. You Maybe. Know be you never know. I hope not. Uh, I hope not, too. I would like to see Tyson uh, wear him out in about three rounds this time. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Two rounds, two rounds. That's why I said this last time. He said so. two. Should have been over in what, fifth? They should have caught, caught it in the, in the fifth. fifth round, yeah. Hopefully. But it had the same ending. Yeah, same ending, that's true. So, we watched, who else? Who fought last week? Some guy. Oh, Adam Kownaski. That's who it was. And he was he supposed was, to be what? The he, top was ranked, he was ranked six in the world. He got knocked out in the fifth round. Yeah, it was. And it wasn't just, a, he got beat down. It was pretty brutal. He was winning the round, the fight up until that point, and then got knocked down twice, and then he just got, he got destroyed. Yeah, he was just done. But. They can't touch Fury. No, and neither one of them I don't guys even think, could. I don't even think they could touch Wilder. No, neither one. None of the people we watched fight last Saturday could do anything to either one of those guys. I think, I think, I think right now Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, and uh, Deontay Wilder are probably in a league of their own. Ah, even though I think Wilder's not on the same level. I don't even think Joshua. I think no. Tyson's ahead of everybody. I think he is, too. Um, He's the best right now. But I wish we were getting the Joshua Fury fight next. Me, too. Instead of a rematch. Yeah. But Joshua has a mandatory fight to keep his belts. He better win. He better win. <laughs> be, uh, be something if he loses. Yeah. So, today... We're going to talk about one of my favorite stories ever. Uh, yep. We talked last week that I've always been a big fan of this kind of thing, and I've got a lot of favorite stories. You're going to find that out quickly. If he talks about something, it's one of his favorite stories well, ever. Yeah, that's... <laughs> he'll forget a story exists, and then 10 years later, he'll find out about, this is one of my this, favorite stories this ever. This is it. This is my favorite story. No, I've got, I've got a... Maybe I'll go through... Maybe I should get through my list of favorites, just so you have me on record. That'll take about an hour. <laughs> This is one I love. I'll say that. I, I, it's one I've always loved, and it's one that I've always rooted for the bad guy, I guess, in the story, honestly. Um, and that is the case of D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. Um, I remember the first time I ever heard about this, and I was like, oh, that is, that is crazy. Like, this dude hijacked a plane, made demands, got the demands... Got the plane to go back in the air. Got all, everybody to go in the cockpit. Locked themselves in there. And then he jumps out of the plane. And wasn't he the only successful person to ever do this? Yep. There's only been one successful person to ever hijack a plane and not get caught. And that is D.B. Cooper. Yep. But the interesting thing about D.B. Cooper, that's not even the name he gave. He gave the name Dan. He was Dan Cooper. But... It was reported as DB in a small newspaper, and then the AP picked up on it and ran with it. I read something. There was a misprint, or the ink ran out on one of his ticket stubs, and it instead of saying Dan, it looked like DB. Oh, okay. That's what some. That. That's just one story I read. Everybody says something different. Uh, yeah, but DB sounds a lot cooler than Dan Cooper. Yeah, the legend of Dan Cooper. Dan. Uh, if people would have been, if people would have been looking for Dan Cooper, they might would have found him. I see. <laughs> There's probably a lot more Dan Coopers than there is DB Cooper. So let's start the story. It was Wednesday, November twenty fourth, 
1971, and that it was the day before Thanksgiving. He boarded a Boeing 747 that was going from Portland to Seattle. Short flight, Portland to Seattle is not very far. He sat down wearing his business suit and his black tie. Oh. Did he not have a trench coat on? He did, yeah, he had a trench, trench, coat. trench coat. Okay, sorry. And the loafers. And, lo- and his loafers, yeah. His famous loafers. And he sat down, told the flight attendant, who was Florence Schaffner, that he wanted a bourbon and soda. She brought it to him, and he just sat there and sipping on his drink. Mm-hmm. So this has led people to believe that maybe this dude was an alcoholic for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> he ordered one drink, then he hijacked a plane. If he was an alcoholic, he was the worst alcoholic that's ever lived. What? Why would that make him the worst? He's not very reliant on the alcohol to do his business. Maybe he's the best. <laughs> it got him buzzing. <laughs> one, one bourbon and soda got him buzzing and caused him to do this. So... She brought him his drink. He sat there and drunk on it. And then he handed her a note. And I'm sure she just thought he was hitting on her. Probably so. Because I'm sure Florence got hit on at the time a lot. And probably most flight attendants did. Craig's speaking from experience. No, not experience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Doug here now. Yes. He flew to, where did you go by yourself? Florida. He had all kinds of flight attendants. He, was he had. On. He sent so many notes out on that flight. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. He's still waiting to hear back. Well, and that was last year. <laughs> but there's still hope. There's hope. Maybe they've not read them yet. They thought you were. Uh, they thought he was DP Cooper. They thought you were DP Cooper. All right. So he said, "Hey, you need to look at the note. I have a bomb." And what'd she do? What? <laughs> She opened the note, didn't she? She opened the note. She sat down next to him. He showed her the bomb, which was... He showed her sticks of what looked like dynamite to her and wrapped up. Yeah. Did he have a real bomb? No. I, I don't know either. No, I don't I don't think it's ever been said if he actually had a real bomb. But he, she sat down, and he told her his demands. He wanted $200,000 cash, four parachutes, and a fuel truck to be waiting in Seattle. Now, I mean, that's pretty good demands. Um, thinking of it right now, you know, if that was somebody's demands, I think they land in Seattle, they rush the plane and get him. I mean, that's what would probably happen today. Uh, she took all the information to the pilot. When she came back to DB, he had put on his famous sunglasses that you see in his, uh, his FBI poster. So... He's sitting there sipping on his his uh, drink with his bomb next to him, and he puts on his sunglasses. So she comes back. There's 36 other passengers on the plane, so it's not a very busy flight. There's 36 passengers, including him? Or Inclu- 30, uh, 37, including 37 him? 37, including him, is my understanding, yes. Okay. And they how, told, many, how many flight attendants? How oh many people are on this plane gosh. total? You're going above my pay grade. I know how many was left after the... Pa- okay, so total, let me do a little quick math. Do, 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 do. There was like 42 people on this plane. 42 people. Okay. Um, so they told the 36 passengers, you know, they said, our flight's being delayed, our landing, because there's a minor mechanical difficulty. 
I guess that makes you feel a little safer than there's a bomb on the plane. This dude wants some money, and we're gonna he's gonna blow this place up. So did nobody know there was a bomb? No, I mean the the workers, flight attendants, the pilot. That's it. None of the others did. So eventually they they circled around for two hours waiting to land. Was his seat by himself? He was by himself. Yeah, everybody was spread out pretty well. On so this nobody one. heard him tell the flight attendant he had a bomb. No, nobody else knew. So they told all the people on the plane that it was just mechanical difficulties. Circled for two hours because it took the FBI that long to get everything together to have to give once they landed. Mechanical difficulties, so let's stay in the air for two more hours? Yeah. And they believed it? They believed it, which actually doesn't make any sense because how are they going to fix the mechanical difficulties? And where were they flying to? They were uh, going to land in Seattle. Does it take two hours to get from Portland to Seattle? No. But I'm saying they, they just they circled the airport airport for two hours. Oh. Waiting. In <laughs> Seattle. In Seattle, yes. Okay. So the FBI got everything together and they gave him money. It was ten thousand unmarked twenty dollar bills. Most was beginning with the letter L. Ten thousand two hundred thousand dollars. Ten thousand unmarked twenty dollar bills. So they gave him all twenties. All twenties. Yep. Okay. Beginning with the letter L, most were from either nineteen sixty three A or nineteen sixty nine series, and they made a microfilm of each. While they were landed in Seattle, Cooper planned his flight path. So he went to the crew and he told them that he wanted to do a southwest course toward Mexico City. At a minimum airspeed. But the pilot said, you know, we can't make it that far without refueling again. So he agreed that Reno would be fine to stop. So he had time to talk to the pilot and everything, and nobody yeah. tried to come on board to uh, yeah, take him I don't, Yeah, I guess because they thought if they did, he's going to blow the bomb up. Oh. So okay. this whole time they're thinking, this dude's nuts, he's going to blow this bomb. So they agreed Reno would work for another refueling spot. But he also made the request that the exit door and staircase would remain open on the plane. So they did. <laughs> they were landed for two hours in Seattle, and then five people took off again after stopping uh, for the refueling and money exchange. So a little time went by. The flight attendant, one flight attendant was out there with him the whole time. And he said, look, Go on up there, shut the door. She's like, okay. So she walked to the front, turned around, looked at him before she shut the door, and she saw him tying something to himself, and she assumed that it was the money. Now, they say that $10,020 bills weighs about 20 pounds. So he's going to be jumping with 20 extra pounds if he's doing this jump. Okay? So around 8 o'clock p.m., Dan, or as we know, D.B., jumped but no one saw him do this so there was planes behind him they they followed him after they left seattle and they never they didn't see him jump and they didn't have it on radar that he jumped which was interesting but they said it was dark and that's very 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 possible that they missed this while in the dark so the fbi ended up one they landed the plane uh, the FBI recovered 66 fingerprints and his tie was left behind, which was actually a clip-on, which I kind of thought was funny in a way, because like he's 
trying to look all cool, and he's got a clip-on tie with his sunglasses and his loafers. Um, they made sketches, and there's there's a few different sketches, and we'll post those on our on our Facebook page, um, so you can check them out. Didn't he? Uh, didn't two different flight attendants give descriptions of him, and it was they were both very similar. They're very similar, yeah, a, a little different, but very very similar. Um, I'll post the main sketches. And I mean, it looks like the same guy. I mean, pretty much. But mm-hmm. you know, you know how sketches can go. Yeah. Um, how come the sketches have the sunglasses? Because they saw him before the sunglasses. I don't know. I guess because they wanted him to look cool. Okay. Uh, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> that, that is that cool. is something that's interesting because they saw him for a long period of time before the sunglasses. Mm-hmm. So I don't really understand why you would make a sketch. With sunglasses, because it really doesn't add anything. It actually hides his... Yeah, that's what I, mean, I was He is thinking. more. Yeah. But anyway, that's the most famous one, honestly, with sunglasses. Uh, the search area was very tough to define because they didn't pick anything up on radar, so they're not exactly sure when he jumped. Um, but their best estimate was that 8.13 was the time that his jump happened. They conducted random experiments. I don't really know how any of that could possibly work, how they could do an experiment like this. But they were trying to figure out where he jumped, what time he jumped, and where he would have landed through experimentals. Which, once again, makes no sense to me. But they've got their methods, I'm assuming. They had multiple searches over the following month, including they actually brought in uh, the National Guard or, or the Army Reserves, one of the two, to help them search at one point in time. Nothing was found. Um, the FBI actually is recently, July 8th, 2016, suspended the investigation altogether. So it's the first and only hijacking in American history that went unsolved. And at first, wasn't it only, they were only going to charge him with uh, piracy, airplane piracy or yeah, something? Yeah, pretty much airplane piracy. And then the... Uh, Statute of limitations was only five years, so after five years, they changed it yep. so they could keep searching for him. Yep, and so if he was caught today, he would still he would still go to prison. So, so yeah, this dude, you know, 1971, they said he looked like he was in the mid, mid-40s. So he would be how old today if he was, say he was 43. <clears throat> they said he was in his mid-40s? They thought mid-40s at the time. And what year was this? 71. That was, he'd be 90. So, yeah. Pushing around I mean, 98. Could you imagine this this 90-year-old man going to prison <laughs> for airplane hijacking? I mean, I, I guess some people would say it was worth locking him up, but I don't know. I'm still on DB's side. I hope he never gets caught. Um, so, yeah, they said that all the evidence from the entire search, the entire bit, everything the FBI oh, discovered. Hold on a second. Yeah. They said... They estimated him to be in his 40s. Right. But I saw some people say they think he might have been a student at a college. Yeah, we'll get into that here in a minute. So he's a 40-year-old college student? I know. The people that gave the description said that he they thought he was mid-40s. Okay. People aren't always the best judge of age. They aren't always the best judge of character. They aren't always the best judge of anything, really. So, I mean... Look at our friend Doug here. Some people have said that he looks like he's 20. 20? Who says that? No, he had a guy tell him the other day that he looked like he was 20. How old did he say? 29? 
29. And Doug is actually in his 30s. That's Mid-30s. not that far. Well, uh, six <laughs> years difference. Seven. Six, seven years difference. You know, I mean, I'm 29 and I've been told I look like I'm 18. <laughs> Nick is I've been told I look 45 27 and people think he's my dad's twin or they're <laughs> br- literally brothers mm-hmm. uh, yeah our dad's 50 he'll be 52 yeah and he get he, a lot of people think that we're all siblings <laughs> I think they just think he's younger yeah he, he yeah he looks a lot he does not look his age um, hopefully those genes are passed on and Neither of us will age as we age. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all the evidence from this case is online. They have 60-volume case file. The FBI has a 60-volume case file. I read somewhere that it spanned miles. Miles? Yes. They had miles so, worth of information on this case. And I don't know how they could because... Is it all valid information or just I guess bull? it's everything that's ever come in. So that's a, probably a lot of nonsense. So it's a lot of just probably junk. Um, but that's incredible. They have that much information, that much leads, that much people calling in with tips, whatever it may be, but they've never had any valid information, I mean, anything valid. I mean, literally what we went over is what they know. And, and that's, that's all that is for sure about this case. Um, it's just, it's unknown completely. So his official descriptions, according to Florence and the other uh, flight attendants that saw him said that he 5'10 to 5'11 weighing 170 180 pounds mid 40s and a close set of piercing brown eyes um, the only they say a close set so his eyes were close together yeah close set Why? Yeah, close together but I mean on his head how are we supposed to know that when the description they gave was with sunglasses? <laughs> Good job. Good job, Florence, describing these eyes. Um, he left eight cigarette butts. They could smoke on the plane? Yes. Hmm. His tie. Smoking next to a bomb? Yes. Yeah, not that's, safe. <laughs> and a mother of pearl tie clip. That's all that was left. But somehow the cigarette butts have disappeared over time and they don't have them anymore. And it's... Wasn't there a piece of DNA found on his tie? The tie has, yeah, the ties had DNA, DNA pulled off of it. Um, but but they, they had nothing to match it yeah, to, they so had it didn't match help. It to. Um, I know also that his cup, his his glass from his bourbon and soda, has disappeared. They I never guess, lifted fingerprints off of an oven. I guess in the seventies, DNA technology wasn't as advanced, it was, so <laughs> it was not at the same place. Um, there's four other things that have showed up since. It's unknown if they're for sure related, but they think it's very likely that it is. Uh, in November of 1978, which was seven years later, a deer hunter found a placard printed with instructions for lowering the stairs of a plane. Um, and they thought this was probably, Where did he find it? It was in the same area where they thought he had jumped. Uh, the second thing was on Sunday, February 10th, 1980, nine years later, an eight-year-old boy, Brian Ingram, was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River, nine miles downstream from Vancouver, Washington. He found three packets of ransom money while he was raking the sand on the riverbank. 
It was significantly damaged, but the rubber bands were still on there and bundled the money together. The FBI has got the money and has How much money was it? That it was part of it. Uh, I don't know. It was three of the packets. I think they said like $9,000 worth. Something like that. Uh, I know they said the outer ones were really damaged. You got on inside and they were actually still in solid shape. Um, the monies went multiple different directions. Little boy got to keep some, and in 2008, he put some up for auction, like 15 pieces, um, and got $37,000. Eh, that's a lot. For some <laughs> damaged money he dug up. That's, that's pretty solid. So 15 $20 bills got him $37,000. That's what? that's not too bad of an investment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if we got returns like that, we would all be rich. So did uh, when the DB jumped out of this plane, supposedly... Did all the cash just fall off of him? We don't just know. Poof. And that's why I, I, saw, all of I saw this video and they were like, so this dude jumped, went through all this struggle, jumped out of the plane, and then his money's just flying everywhere. And he's, or it you know, could have just been out. a, he could have just threw some of it away on purpose oh, to mislead to, people. Yeah. Or to lighten his load, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I would handle the 20 extra pounds of $200,000 if it was me. But he... They yeah. say that they also said that they did the little aging test on this money, and they said this money has not sat there the whole time. Hmm. So some people believe that he came back to this area, buried some of the money, so that it would be found and throw people off the trail. Uh, yeah. um, how much uh, could have happened? How much would that two hundred thousand be worth today? So you're not going to believe how much today. The two hundred thousand dollars is what he asked for. In 2018, the FBI said that that is equivalent to $1,260,000. That's a lot of money. So, yeah, he he, uh, he got away with a lot if he got away. Yes. So, also, I need to address, I, I think at the beginning of this, I said a Boeing 747. Uh, it was actually a Boeing 727. I misspoke there. So, a little smaller of a plane. Um, so... The money showed up, was significantly damaged, and the boy got rid of it. Two more things have showed up since. So in 2017, there's a group of investigators who started researching this. It's just like, I think it's called Citizen Sleuth. Um, They went through and were really checking things out, and they found a decades-old parachute strap that is believed to be possibly his parachute strap. They also found a piece of foam... That is suspected to be from his backpack. So that was just found three years ago. So the only other thing that has been speculated that they really think was very possible is that he was an Air Force veteran. And I guess that's just because... Was he... And he learned how to jump out of planes? That's that's the theory. The theory has been for a long time that he was an Air Force vet, Army vet, somebody that was a paratrooper, but... People later believe maybe that wasn't true because they said that the parachutes, they offered him different types of parachutes, and they said he chose the worst kind for jumping out of a plane. So they said that showed that he really didn't know what he was doing. Or he was so trained up, he, he knew did. exactly what he was doing. He knew what he was he doing. He could do whatever he wanted to with anything. Right. He may have been just good enough, it didn't matter. And he knew what he was doing, and he wanted to throw people off even more, so he chose the crappy plane. I mean, the crappy parachute. Parachute? Yeah. So that's possible. Um, so let's get into some suspects, and there are many suspects that people have said over time that it could be. 
First one we'll talk about is Kenneth Christensen. His brother Kyle, his brother, excuse me, Lyle, claimed that it was him. Uh, Kenneth was a army vet who trained as a paratrooper, so he fits that. He worked as a mechanic in the South Pacific, and he became a flight attendant in Seattle. 45 at the time of the hijacking, so that's fits, but here's the thing. He is shorter by about two inches and thinner by 20 to 30 pounds. So at what time, like how long after this happened, was this, was it enough time for him to lost 20 pounds? Uh, that's a good question. It doesn't, doesn't say. He could have been wearing thicker shoes. Yeah, sole, to throw people off. Shoes. That's something that he could have done. So yeah. maybe that's possible. Uh, he did like to smoke. And he liked to drink bourbon. Two things that we know DB at least did on the plane. Who knows if that was a regular occurrence, but he did do those on the plane. He was left-handed, which they also believe DB Cooper was. Uh, he purchased a house with cash months after the hijacking and died from cancer in 1994. Lung cancer? That uh, would be my guess. He told Lyle on his deathbed, I have something to tell you, but I can't. After his death, he just dies. <laughs> yeah, this is like <laughs> if if somebody I know does this, I'm gonna be very upset it's like, because it's like, me? what is it? And then they die. It's a terrible <laughs> thing. I mean, the death by itself is awful, but then have this cliffhanger of something important you need to know, and then he dies. I just magnifies it. They said that they discovered that he had a bank account with two hundred thousand dollars in it gold coins, and a valuable stamp collection after his death. They don't know where all this money and collection and gold came from because apparently he didn't have any money. Um, <laughs> some, though, now have said that the fact that he paid cash for a house is not true and said that they found a mortgage that he paid on for 17 years. So mm -hmm. that could be overstated. Uh, I'm going to throw out there, I don't believe this is him. I don't I'm think just going to so. mark that off. No. So the next one is Lynn Doyle Cooper. He was known as L.D. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> so L.D.? D.B.'s long-lost cousin. His long-lost cousin, yeah. maybe. So L.D. was a leather worker and a Korean War vet. Uh, he was proposed as a suspect in July of 2011 by his niece, who was eight at the time. Man, if my family members ever turned me in, I'd be like, you ain't getting none of my money if I have it. Well, just listen Listen to her theory. She says at eight years old, she recalls hearing him planning something mischievous <laughs> that involved using walkie-talkies. Oh, man. So this is her theory. She heard that, and she said the next day the hijacking happened after she overheard him talking about this thing. Did, did Was there walkie-talkies used in this? Not, no, not that's known, no. Okay. So the next day that the, the hijacking happened, LD came home with a bloody shirt saying that it was from a car wreck. She believes the bloody shirt was a result of his hijacking. Her parents also ended up believing that it was him. He died in 1999, but she says that he was obsessed with the Canadian comic book hero Dan Cooper. So it must be him because he okay. had a walkie-talkie mischievous conversation and, and he liked Dan Cooper, the comic hero. And was this uh, accusation taken seriously by no. the FBI? And they said that they did run his DNA and it was not a match okay. off of the tie. Good. Um, then we get into 
a little more of an interesting one to me. This one could be a possible, but I, I don't know. William Gossett. Uh, he was a Marine, Army, and Air Force veteran. He fought in Korea and Vietnam. He had advanced jump training and wilderness survival. He became an ROTC instructor, and he taught military law. He hosted a radio show that was on you know, kind of conspiracies and different subjects like that, and died in 2003. How old was he? At the time? At the time. He, he fit the age, um, is my understanding of that. He was obsessed with the Cooper case. Later in life, he told his three sons that he did do it. He resembled him a lot at the same time period. Um, he once showed his son a key to a safe deposit box that he claimed held the money. His oldest son says that his dad was a big gambler and was always strapped for cash, but that he showed up with tons, of, in his words, a wad of cash right before Christmas of 1971. Mm -hmm. um, he thinks that his dad then gambled all the money away. <laughs> Gambled it all gambled away. Gambled it all away. I thought he said it was in a safe deposit That's what box. he told his dad told him, but he thinks that he gambled it away. Why didn't he take the key and go open the safe I, deposit Yeah, box? I don't know. I don't know. Man. Uh, in 1988, William changed his name to Wolfgang <laughs> and became a priest. It has been theorized that this was in an effort to hide his identity. So he D.B. William Wolfgang. Yeah. So this one... This one Seems a little more plausible to me than the rest of them because he did have the training and the survival skills to probably pull it off. Was he investigated? The FBI made no comment from what I've seen on his his relatability to the case. Well, they must have not thought it was him. It they must have not, but who knows. So our next suspect is a pretty interesting one. I'm going to show you this guy's picture because it looks... That looks just like it him. It looks a lot like him. I mean, like, a lot. If you showed me this and, and the drawing, I would say, yeah, this is the guy. His name is Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. McCoy was an Army vet, served two tours of duty in Vietnam, first as a demolition expert and later as a Green Beret and a helicopter pilot. After that, he became a warrant officer in the Utah National Guard, an avid recreational skydiver with aspirations of becoming a Utah State Trooper. He is best known for a copycat hijacking that occurred on April 7, 1972. He boarded a United Airlines Flight 855 in Denver, Colorado. He showed what ended up being a paperweight, but it looked like a hand grenade, and he had an unloaded handgun. He demanded four parachutes four. and $500,000. Was the information released to the public of D.B. Cooper's? Yeah, they knew about D.B. So they all knew about Yep. They knew everything about the it? The stuff was already out there, yes. So after the money and the parachutes were delivered, when he was at the San Francisco International Airport, he ordered that the aircraft went back into the sky, and he bailed out over Provo, Utah, leaving behind handwritten hijacking instructions and his fingerprints on a magazine he had been reading. What magazine? Uh, it doesn't say. Mm. Probably, uh, I'm going to guess, filled with dream. Could be. Yeah. So, later, a handwriting expert compared the note found on the plane with McCoy's writing on military service records and determined that he had written the note. He was arrested on April 9th 
with the ransom cash in possession. So he got cash too? He got 500, they gave him 500,000. Man. Uh, after trial and conviction, he received a 45 year life sentence. Two years later, he escaped with several accomplices and by crashing a garbage truck through the main gate. He was tracked <laughs> down three months later in Virginia Beach, so he was ready to party. Um, and was killed in a shootout by FBI agents. Well, if you're going to go out, go out in the bleed. You go out in style, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in 1991, there was a book written called D.B. Cooper, The Real McCoy by a parole officer and for a former FBI agent that said they had identified McCoy as Cooper. And he wrote the book? Uh, no, the, the parole officer and the FBI agent wrote a book. Oh, I thought he said it was wrote by McCoy. No. It's called D.B. Cooper, The Real McCoy. Oh, I got They said they cited the obvious similarities, which everybody kind of sees. They claimed that McCoy's family, that the tie and the mother of Pearl clip that was left on the plane actually belonged to McCoy, and McCoy's own refusal to admit or deny he was Cooper as reasons they believed it was him. Does McCoy look like him? Well, you saw his picture. I thought we were talking about a new guy. No, now. this is still McCoy. I thought this guy died and we switched to another guy. He did die, but this is when 1991 they wrote this book saying it was oh. him. Okay. Uh, the guy that killed, the FBI agent that killed McCoy said, when I shot Richard McCoy, I shot D.B. Cooper at the same time. Uh, there's no reasonable doubt that McCoy did do the Denver hijacking. The FBI does not consider him a suspect in the Cooper case, however, because of suspicion significant mismatches in age and description. However, looking at his picture, I don't know how you could say he doesn't look like him. No. Um, And didn't his note that he gave the flight attendant use some of the same phrases that DB said? The phrases were similar, yes. Um, They said that he was too skilled of a skydiver and there was credible evidence that pointed to McCoy was actually in Vegas on the day of the hijacking. Um, and actually in Utah the day after having Thanksgiving dinner. So maybe it wasn't him, but he does look like him. I also read that he told a friend, this kind of leads me to believe it's not him, he told one of his friends that he could have pulled off that hijacking, and he said, but he would have done it and asked for more money. So. And then he did it and and asked for more money. And then he did it and asked for more money, but he got caught. Yeah, he did get caught. Uh, He left evidence that DB did not leave. And I would think if you did it once successfully and you were going to try it the second time, you would do it the exact same way. Yeah. There's no reason to change anything. And, and because what's the likelihood you can get away with it the second time if you don't do it the same way? The likelihood of getting away with it the second time is not likely anyway. But to go through it and change things really makes no sense. So the next suspect is... Did he put on sunglasses? <laughs> No, he didn't. So nah, that throws it off. It wasn't him. <laughs> and he probably didn't wear loafers. Nope. Uh, the next one is Robert Rackstraw. I'll show you a picture of Robert next yeah, to the comparison. He's pretty close. Pretty close. Um, so Robert Rackstraw was born in 1943 and died in 2019. He was a retired pilot, ex-con, and served on Army helicopter crew and other units in Vietnam. He came to the attention of the task force in February 78 when he was arrested in Iran and deported to the U.S. to face explosive possession and check kiting charges. Uh, Several months later, he was released on bail. He attempted to fake his death, 
by using a Mayday call and telling controllers that he was bailing out of a rented plane. They later arrested him and charged him with additional charges. The plane he claimed he had ditched was found, repainted, and a nearby hangar. <laughs> uh, the investigator said he looked like him. The sketches had the training with the tr- uh, parachute training and a criminal record, but they ended up saying it wasn't him in 1979 because they had no other direct evidence that it could be him. In 2016, he reemerged as a suspect, and I actually watched this show. I remember it. It was on History Channel, and these guys claimed this was him. They chased him down, got all the information, and they actually talked to him on air, this old man, and said, you're D.B. Cooper. And he got mad and told him to leave. Uh, He ended up losing his job. Because of that? Because of this. Um, How old was he here in 2016? uh, Old. (laughs) Um, Where was he working at? He was working at like somewhere down near the ocean, Near the beach, he was in a boat garage or oh. something. I don't really know what he did there, but it was somewhere they stored stored boats. So, Rackstraw ended up dying in 2019 from a heart condition. So, there's a few more suspects. I, I just don't... I don't know if any of these suspects are actually him. It's interesting how many they've been claimed, but the likelihood of it... The FBI has pretty much dismissed everybody that they say is a suspect. A lot of them are kind of just silly, once. Yeah, some of them just claim to be him to try to get just famous. Do it. Yeah. So let's hear. We both have a theory. I want to hear you go ahead and tell us what you think happened. I don't really have a theory. Let's hear your theory. Okay. So the the main uh, there's three theories. Me most people have. Actually, there's two theories most people have. He jumped out. Couldn't see where he was going. Got impaired by a pine tree. And died. Um, impaled or impaired? Yeah. Imp- impaled. Paled. Not not impaired. Not Sorry. So, I don't believe that one. I think that if that was the case, you would have seen the parachute. You would have seen a dude stuck in the top of a pine tree. If you didn't see him, you would see the parachute. They would have found his body eventually. Something would have been discovered. I mean, if he was dead in a top of a tree, they'd be birds swarming. Event- yeah, yeah What's it would that? have eventually been found. Um... So that's the one theory that he just died or that he landed in the river and drowned. I don't believe that either. I don't think that's what happened. I think that the evidence that this money was found later and dated that it, that it wasn't originally there, that it was something that had been brought back. It was not, hadn't been sitting there that much at that time. I think that he brought it back and buried some of it. I think that the second theory is that he survived which I think happened. I think he survived. I don't think any of these people that we've said is him is him. Um, none of these suspects are him. I think the dude got away and just left and never to be known again. I think he got away with it and pretty much had the perfect crime and went and spent his money wherever he wanted to spend it. Did uh, did the FBI ever check Mexico? I, I'm because... sure they've, they've got miles worth of evidence or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, this guy could... And he could have went anywhere. He wanted to go to Mexico City. Yeah. I mean, he could be... He could have took off and lived the rest of his life in South America. I mean, as Nobody easy knows. as this... Honestly, as easy as this was for him to do, he really had no hiccups in this whole hijacking. He could have probably successfully got anywhere he wanted to go. 
and done whatever he wanted to do. He either had it planned out perfectly, knew exactly what he was going to do and did it, or he was just... Lucky. He just didn't know what he was doing and ended up... He just don't know what... He's so excited he was... He got away with it. Yeah, maybe. Um, so I feel like he got away with it. And like I said, I, that's what I think. I think he just got away. And you wanted him to get away. Oh, yeah, it. I wanted him to get away. I think it's incredible. I, I mean, <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting story. He had hurt his soul. Nobody was hurt in this entire thing. It's an interesting story. It's kind of like a folk hero now. Um, <laughs> that's how I see it. It's a folk, folk story. Um, so DB, you know, if you're out there, call me. Uh, email us. <laughs> Let us know. I'm not going to tell anybody. I think it'd be interesting to know. Uh, I have one more theory that while I was reading this, I came up with. Never heard this theorized anywhere by anybody. But while I was investigating this, I came up with this idea. They said that they were following the plane and they never saw him jump. They never saw him on radar. Nothing. But they said it was not so that made sense. What if he never jumped? What if he threw the par- two parachutes out because two parachutes were left on there? Just threw those out of there. What if everybody that was left on the plane, there was five people left on the plane with him, what if they were all in on it? What if they all planned this together? He was an employee of, say, Boeing or of somebody, knew these people. They planned this and hid him when they landed, snuck him off the plane with the money, and they all split the money. I guess it's possible. And, and it, that's such a tight-knit group. I mean, it's a small number of people. If where they would, all stuck to their uh, story, they could have got away with it. Where would they have hit him at? Would it would the plane not have been inspected when they landed? You'd think. Maybe he... <laughs> I guess they could have lied about how many people were on the maybe, plane. Maybe they could have lied the whole time about how many was on the plane. And then they disguised him as one of the crew exactly. members. Exactly. And got him all. That's possible. Exactly. Because... I've never heard any report from any of the other people that was on the plane. No. When they dropped off the the passengers, there was no report. No. So maybe he was a, maybe they disguised him as a worker on the plane. Good have. Um, that's not been theorized. I don't know. But that's, that's to me, an option. And I'm kind of shocked it's not been brought up. Um, maybe I just cracked the case. Craig's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> now, you say you think that he needs to pay for his crimes. Oh, yeah. I see it a lot different than Craig and most people that I've read about. Everybody says, oh, I hope this guy got away with it. I'm like, why? I mean, he obviously either got away with it or he's dead. Or he died when he jumped out of the plane. Yeah. I don't believe that because I think they would have found his body or something. But this, if he was, there was only like six people who knew about it, the bomb. But think about for however long he was on the plane with them people, they didn't know if they were going to live or die. They were terrorized. And I just don't think that's right. And Craig says he didn't hurt anybody. He hurt somebody because he stole $200,000, and that $200,000 was going to be used for something. I just... I, he he got he apparently got away with it, but I'm not a fan of his because <laughs> I'm just not. Ah, you got to root for people like this. No, you root for... I don't root for people like him. He was... (laughs) Let's look at it this way. If he was a... Let's say he was from... uh, Let's say he was a member of the Taliban. You'd say he was a terrorist. Yeah, that's true. Yep. 
And let's say, let's even if the passengers didn't know he had a bomb. It was still terrorism. It was. Okay, they, okay. And once they got off the plane, they found it out. Right. Let's say, let's say your wife and your child were on that plane. When they got off, you'd be pissed. You'd want to go kill that guy yourself. <laughs> Is that true or false? Tell me I'm not. I said, get away, DB, get away. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you'd be saying. I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting viewpoint. I just I didn't think of it like that. That's the way I, I look at got to look at things from different perspectives. Yeah. Look at it from, I mean, the think about how scared the flight attendant must have been when he said, read the note, I have a bomb. She's probably wishing he was hitting on her. Probably so. <laughs> Old Florence wanting him to flirt. See, I just, I don't, he got away with it, so it doesn't matter, but I'm not rooting for him. Okay, well. That's the case of DB. I don't have anything else to add. We've covered it. There's nothing else out there. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's it's honestly crazy how little there actually is on this case. How little of facts there is. Um, you know, if this happened today, there's no way this would ever get away with it. Ever. No. You could not do this. was only a thing that could be in that time period. No. A crime <laughs> of the time. That's all it is. <laughs> Just walk onto a plane with a suitcase with a bomb in it. Literally. No check, nothing. They don't even know who he is, for sure. Mm -hmm. His name may not even... It's probably not Dan Cooper. That's not his name. No. I mean, but he got on there with his fake name, with a bomb, made these demands, and got away. Just... To me, that's what's so interesting, that he pulled it off. He was successful and gave inspiration to who knows how many criminals who want to go terrorize people on planes. <laughs> that were never successful, though. They tried. <laughs> All right, so now we are going to talk about a current missing person from the FBI. Um, this lady is named Abby Lynn Patterson. She disappeared September 5th, 2017 from Lumberton, North Carolina. Date of birth, February 15th, 1997. Hair brown, eyes brown, height 5'7", weight 140, sex female, race white. Scars and marks. Patterson has a tattoo of a bird on her shoulder and a birthmark on her back of her right thigh. Remarks. Patterson was last seen wearing brown shorts and a white shirt. Details. The Charlotte Division of the FBI and the Lumberton Police Department in North Carolina are seeking assistance from the public to locate Abby Lynn Patterson. Patterson was last seen Tuesday, September 5th, 2017, around 1130 a.m. She left her home on East 9th Street in Lumberton, North Carolina, and was seen getting into a brown Buick. Patterson has not been seen since and has not had any contact with family or friends. Anyone with information regarding the whereabouts of Abby Lynn Patterson is asked to call the FBI's Charlotte Field Office at 704-672-6100 or the Lumberton Police Department at 910-671-3845. You may also contact your local FBI office or the nearest American embassy or consulates. So let's bring Abby home. All right. You have any closing thoughts? Ah, closing thoughts. Well, 
we just finished our second episode. That is true. That is exciting. So if you have any questions, comments, ideas for another episode, email us. Please email us. At the Messer Brothers at gmail.com. That is the Messer Brothers at gmail.com. Spell yes. it for them. T H E M E S S E R B R O T H E R S at gmail.com. So. We're actually going to play you right now. We have a voice message that came in from a, a listener. I'm excited. That, you know, right now is going to be the time we're going to share your mail. If you want to send us some email, send us a voice message on this app. Anything you want to do, send it to us, and we will talk about it. So right. we're going to share. We, we got a few different ones this week. We're going to share a couple of our favorites. Uh, we're going to do this every week. All right, so this first one is from... A listener named Judy. Judy sent us an email on March 7th. She said, hey, really enjoyed your podcast. You both are now my favorite guys to listen to. Thank you, Judy. We hope you've enjoyed this second episode. Yes, Judy. Email us again. Yeah, we email love us to again. hear from you. Maybe you could be our annual or our, our <laughs> weekly emailer and we could share your <laughs> annual emailer one of you <laughs> <laughs> we could share your emails uh weekly with everybody um our second message is actually a voice message from a listener named matt hey matt uh matt hey. we're gonna play this for you right now so everybody can hear your message hey what's up guys this is matt love the show love what y'all are doing y'all keep up the good work and i look forward to hearing a lot of shows in the future all right, so if you guys want to get talked about on the air next week, send us a message or a voicemail, and we might choose you to talk about. Uh, we're available now on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Spotify, the Google, whatever Android has. I'm not sure what it's called. The Google Play Store. Google Play Store, I'm assuming. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what Google uses, but we're on there too. So there's many ways to listen to us. Check out our Facebook page. It's Messer Brothers Presents. It's got all our information on there. Um, like our page, share our page, you know, help us grow this uh, to, to something pretty good. Um, we will post the pictures of the cases that we're doing each week on here. So you can check out the picture we were talking about. Check out uh, all the information and... And there'll be a link to uh, for the missing girl. Yeah, we'll have a link to her. I'll have her picture, her information. Abby. Yeah, everything will be posted on there. Let us know what you thought about this week's case. Uh, if you have any questions, you can do it on Facebook or the email, which is, once again, themesserbrothers at gmail.com. All and right. So if you have any anything you'd like to hear us talk about, let us know. Yeah. We'll so talk about it. That's been all so, uh, for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Nick. And I'm Craig. And we're the Messer Brothers. And this is Messer Brothers Presents.